Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Merry Christmas, everybody. You know, before I jump into the sermon, I just wanted to talk about three quick things. Where we've been, where we're going, and where we are. So first of all, can I talk about where we've been? 2020 has been a tough year. And I just want you to know that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. 2020 has been a year of confusion, a year of fear, and a year of uncertainty. But here we are, you and me, and we're still standing. And I am absolutely proud of you. And I want to also talk about where we're going. You know, it's easy to say here at the end of 2020 that the best is yet to come because you know what? It's got to be, doesn't it? And it's weird because I'm standing in the middle of this brand new facility and I felt like I wanted to tell you something. This place is a home. So whether you're going to be walking uh, through those doors just over there sometime in 2021 or whether the message from this facility is going to be going out to you in 2021, I want you to know that I've been praying and praying and praying that this place would be a home to you, that this would be a place of healing, a place of hope, a place of belonging, a place of strength. And I believe that it is going to be. And finally, I just want to talk about where we are. I want to talk about here we are, and it's the Christmas season. And I know it's 2020, but it's Christmas. And so my prayer for you is that this would be a season, in the midst of everything else, that this would be a season of wonder. And I actually think I can help with that a little bit. You know, there's this phrase that you hear a lot. It's people saying there's something about Christmas time. There's something about Christmas time. Maybe you've heard the song. Maybe you've had someone say it to you. Maybe you say it a lot. There's something about Christmas time. And today what I really wanted to do is I wanted to establish what that something is that Christmas time is all about. Because there's a lot of reasons that we celebrate Christmas, right? Like for one of them, it's just relational. Like Christmas is a time when we get together with people that maybe we don't see throughout the rest of the year. Or maybe we're busy and we barely see them. But at Christmas, we get together and we spend time with those people that we love. And that's a great reason to celebrate. Another reason why we celebrate Christmas is tradition. Man, I hope for you that as long as you can remember, there's been something about Christmas. Stockings hung, presents under the tree, a turkey dinner. It's a great reason to celebrate. You know, they call Christmas the season of giving. Which is really awesome because whether you're all about giving or whether you're someone who likes to get or maybe a little bit of both, there's something in Christmas for you. And that's a good reason to celebrate too. You know, I was thinking that in the northern hemisphere of the world, you know that Christmas Day, December 25th, is one of the shortest days of the entire year. That in some sense, this is one of the darkest days of the entire year. And and so Christmas is a time that we can bring some light to a dark time. And I think that's a great reason to celebrate also. And I think that another reason why people celebrate Christmas is because it's kind of like the last chance to to party, (laughs) to celebrate uh, this year before we ring in the new year. And I think anytime you're talking about in 2020, ringing in a new year, that sounds like a great idea. Here's the thing about Christmas. I think for all of us, every year, we got a lot of plans. We got a lot of expectations. We got a lot of hopes and we got a lot of dreams. And sometimes every one of those hopes and every one of those dreams, man, it comes together just perfectly and it's awesome. And sometimes it doesn't. Like, do you remember that year when you bought your husband a gym membership for Christmas? And he thought you meant that he was fat. You didn't mean that, right? But, but, but you thought he would love it. But he thought that you thought that he was fat and he sulked for the rest of the day. Man, I can sympathize with you. I, I know what you were thinking. It was actually a decent idea. Or how about that time that you bought your wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas because you thought that 
You know, actually, I have no idea what you were thinking. That was just stupid. Okay, but here's the point. When we say that there's something about Christmas time, you know, it, it, it kind of has to go deeper than whether our plans all came together or not. Like I'm standing here, Christmas time of 2020, and that something about Christmas time has to go deeper than the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We just watched a short film a few moments ago, and the truth is sometimes life is tough. And what I want to say to you today is I want to say that that's something about Christmas time. It goes deeper than all of that. In fact, between you and me, here's the thing. When we say there's something about Christmas time, we actually mean someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he stepped into human history as a baby in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. And he came for wonder. Soul-level wonder today an eternal wonder called heaven someday. You know, it's interesting because the Bible says there's a really important link between today and someday. That when we, when we renew our vision of the hope that we have in someday, we actually restore our wonder today. And so that's my gift to you. That's what I want to try to establish. I want to suggest to you that there's something about Christmas time. There's someone about Christmas time. And, and, and his wonder goes deeper than your circumstances, deeper than whether your plans came together. That something is a someone. His name is Jesus. He wants to bring you wonder someday and wonder today. Let me show you what I mean. Let's turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. It's interesting because Revelation was actually written by one of Jesus' disciples, John. And near the end of John's life, God gave him a vision of heaven. And then John came back and wrote it down to the best of his ability. So I want to jump into Revelation chapter 4, starting at verse 1. It says this, Then I looked, and oh, an open door into heaven. The trumpet voice, the first voice in my vision, called out, Ascend and enter. I'll show you what happens next. I was caught up at once in deep worship, and oh, a throne set in heaven with one seated on the throne. Between you and me, there is something about Christmas time, but that something is actually someone, and his name is Jesus. But if you really wanted me to give you a something, I'd give you three. I'd give you a door, a throne, and an invitation. An open door to wonder. That's such good news. If you asked me to tell you my favorite book of all time, I would probably pick The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I first heard of it when I was in grade five. My favorite teacher of all time was my grade five teacher, Mrs. Bass. She was the first teacher in my life who ever believed in me, who ever encouraged me, who ever called something out of me, and I loved her for it. I remember she would spend some time every day reading us a little bit of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I loved her, so I listened so carefully, but I fell in love with that story. These four children... Susan, Lucy, Edmund, and Peter, who walked into a wardrobe and found themselves transported to a land of wonder called Narnia. Man, and that story stuck with me and stuck with me and stuck with me. So much so that 15 years later when I became a teacher, in no small part because of the inspiration of Mrs. Bass, when I myself became a teacher, I remember the first day I ever taught. In the afternoon of my first day ever teaching school, I taught social studies to grade 11s. And we were in this Huge classroom. It was so big, in fact, that there was a divider that you could shut that would separate the classroom into two classrooms. Okay, and when the divider was shut, there was a little door off to the side of the classroom that you could walk from one side 
to the other. But when the divider was open, it was just this door kind of sitting there in the middle of nowhere for no reason. I remember on that first day, teaching social studies 11, I walked through that door and I said, man, I feel like I'm stepping into Narnia. And I looked at these grade 11 students and they looked at me and I looked at them and they looked at me and they weren't laughing. And this little note went off in my head. That was nerdy. High school kids don't like nerdy. Refrain from nerdy in the future. Got it. Check. Okay, but here's the point. It's good news. Jesus came to open the door to wonder. I want to explain to you how that works. Romans 6 verse 23 says it this way. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, here's the thing. Wonder and sin cannot coexist. So soul-level wonder today and eternal wonder in heaven someday can't coexist with sin. Can't co- coexist with greed, hatred, jealousy. And that's bad news for me. Because I'm a sinner. You say, well, Mike, you're really not that bad of a guy. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. But the truth is, if I look back at my life, there's times that I've said things that I shouldn't have said. And when I really think about it, there's probably things that I should have said that I didn't, you know, and there's times that I did things that I shouldn't have done, and when I really think about it, there's probably things that I should have done that I didn't. And, and, and now I have this sin in me, and I can do a lot of good deeds, but I can't make up for the, 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 the fact that I sinned in the past. Does that make sense? And so, and so what happened is Jesus Christ stepped into human history, and he died on a cross. He paid the wages of my sin. Do you understand? So now when God looks at me, he, does, he doesn't see the sin in my history. He sees the wonder in my destiny. And it starts right now because of him. He opened the door to wonder. See, when people say there's something about Christmas time between you and me, that something is actually a someone. And his name is Jesus. But if you really asked me to give you something, I'd give you three. A door. An open door to wonder. And number two, I'd give you a throne. There's something absolutely incredible in this passage. The first place that John goes when he steps into heaven is the throne. And I guess I want you to take a second. I want us to have a very real conversation. Because the Bible says here that the first place that you're going to want to go on the other side of eternity is the throne. And the longer that you've been going to church the more difficulty you're going to have admitting this. But you need to admit it. Here's the thing. You find that hard to believe. I want you to just think for a second. I want you to think about heaven. I want you to remember that we're going to get a new body. And not only is it going to be free of weakness, but you're going to have a body that breaks through limitations that seem unbreakable from the perspective of this planet. Not only that, but your mind is going to, free, going to be free to create and innovate in, in, in absolutely incredible ways. You're going to be able to bless others and be blessed by others and live in relationship with others in a way that you've never even been able to do before. It's going to be amazing. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So it's going to be a miraculous blend of the new and the familiar. Think about that. Think about the cities in this world recognizable but infinitely more. Could you imagine? New York City made brand new, recognizable but more. No poverty, 
no hatred, no enmity. Absolutely incredible. Or, or Paris, the city of lights. Recognizable, but infinitely more. Dazzling in its beauty. I can't wait to check it out. Vancouver, Chilliwack, Red Deer, Alberta. That's going to be amazing. And when you get out of the city and the oceans, mountains, forests, rivers, and lakes, recognizable, but so much more. Can can you imagine it? Like we're going to ski slopes that we can't imagine skiing right now. We're going to hike mountains that we can't imagine hiking right now. We're going to ride rapids that we can't imagine riding right now. We're going to swim in lakes that we can't imagine swimming. We're going to golf courses that we can't imagine golfing right now. And when you think about the animals, there's going to be animals in heaven. And maybe you're a little bit like me. Growing up as a kid, man, I, I loved animals. Every time our class would go to the library, I would always take out books specifically on big cats. You know, lions and, 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 and leopards and cougars and tigers and cheetahs. And I would just read and read and read and look at the pictures. And here's the amazing thing about heaven. You're going to be hanging out with those animals. There's going to be no fear, no enmity. We're going to coexist with them. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. And at night, you're going to look up into the stars, recognizable but infinitely more, and you're going to know that we have galaxies to explore and to discover. And no no matter how much you explore, no matter how much you discover, there's always going to be more. A miraculous blend of the new and the familiar. And yet, and yet, the first place that you're going to want to run is the throne. And the longer you've been in church, the more difficulty you have admitting this, you find that almost impossible to believe. There's this concept of God the Father and and Jesus Christ our Savior. And it's tough to make it personal, isn't it? Like they almost seem ethereal, like God's like an old dude sitting on a throne, like with a big long beard and he's a little bit impersonal and detached. He kind of looks off in the distance and never makes eye contact with you. And Jesus, Jesus, even as our Savior, we think it's, it's almost like an uncle who left us this incredible inheritance, but we've never actually met him. So I want to help us with this because I think the greatest Christmas gift I could ever give to you is explain to you why you're going to want to run to the throne first. So let me say this. Jesus is the hero that you've spent your whole life looking for. He's the love that you've been longing for. He's the best friend that the best, best friends that you've ever have hinted at. I spent some time over these last couple weeks uh, thinking of some movies that might help illustrate it. And there was one that came to mind uh, several years ago. There was a movie called Taken. And in this movie called Taken, some dude makes the mistake of kidnapping Liam Neeson's daughter. And I don't know if you remember this, but Liam Neeson ends up in a phone conversation with this guy. And he says this, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you, I have no money. But what I do have is a very particular set of skills. Skills acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I won't look for you, and I won't pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you, and I will kill you. And I want you to know the second that you step into heaven, you will know that Jesus Christ looked for you. He pursued you. He called your name and he saved you. 
He paid your ransom. He set you free. And not only that, he defeated the bullies, the spiritual bullies that had kidnapped you. He defeated them. See, Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He rose again. And when he did, he defeated defeat. He destroyed the destroyer. He put death in its grave for you. And the first thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go thank him. Because it's personal to him. Do you understand that? Like I'm telling you that if you were the only one in history who needed to be rescued, he would have come to set you free. Man, if you find that hard to believe, I want to give you one little homework assignment. I want you to spend some time in one chapter of the Bible this week. The Gospel of Luke chapter 15. And I want you to read the story about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. But you're going to know it when you get there. And you're going to know that he did it all for you. And you were worth it. And you're going to run to him. And you're just going to want to say, thank you. But not only did Jesus die for you, he rose again for you. Do you understand that? And and, and when he did, he defeated the bullies, the spiritual bullies that had kidnapped your life. When Jesus rose again, he defeated defeat. He destroyed the destroyer. He put death in its grave. And you're going to realize the second that you step into eternity that he did it for you. That if you were the only one in history who needed to be set free, he would have done it all for you. Man, if you find that hard to believe, can I give you a quick assignment this week? Can you spend some time in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 when Jesus told the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son? He would have done it all for you and you'll know that immediately. And the first thing you're going to want to do is run to him and just say thank you. Thank you. Second movie I want to talk about is a Manus family favorite. It's called The Lord of the Rings. It's actually a trilogy. And when you get near to the very end of the third movie, there's this king named Aragorn. He gathers in this ragtag group of soldiers. It's kind of the last remaining soldiers who stand on the side of truth and light and hope in the world. And he marches them up to the Black Gates. And the odds are absolutely completely stacked against them, but there's still this thread of hope. And they think, well, as long as there's a thread of hope, we still got to fight. Aragorn turns to his ragtag group of soldiers and he says something like this. He says, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. There will come a day when the courage of men fails, when we, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it's not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields, when the age of man comes crashing down. But it's not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand. And I was just thinking this week, you know what, for you and for me, we're going to realize that he was our strength when we seemed like we couldn't stand up one more time. That he was our hope when the odds seemed stacked against us. You get what I'm saying? He's been with you every step of the way. Man, like there's things that we quote in church that I don't know we really understand to the degree that we need to. One of the things that we say in church is we say, the Bible tells us that when we arrive in heaven, he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. Do you understand how personal that is? See, what, what, what I think sometimes is we, we imagine it to be like almost an assembly line, that we're all going to be in a row and there's going to be like a, a machine wiping the tears from our eyes. It's nothing like that. He's been with you the whole time. You understand that? Every step of the way he's been with you. Like there's moments that we go through, there's things that we walk through and we feel these emotions that are so deep that we can't really even explain them to anybody. You won't need to explain it to him. He's been there with you every step of the way. 
Like I still remember the middle of the night in the middle of January, walking up the South Hill in Red Deer with nothing but jeans and a t-shirt, feeling freezing cold and seeing like this little tiny thread of hope. And I called out to Jesus and he saved me. But here's the thing that I think I'm going to realize when I step into eternity, that he was right there. And long before I called out to him, he was looking for me. He was pursuing me. He was calling my name. He's going to wipe every tear from your eye. Think about that. Because the truth is, for some of us, we've walked through some really, really tough times in our lives. Pain and suffering and heartbreak. And I guess I felt it was important that I tell you that he's been there every step of the way. And every tear that you cried, he cried too. In fact, there's moments that you walk through in this broken world that all he wanted to do in that moment is say, that's it! Stop! Shut this whole thing down and roll history up and bring you home. But there were only two things that kept him going. The first was knowing the people that would come after you that desperately needed to experience wonder. And secondly, he's been waiting for that moment. To wipe every tear from your eye. And tell you that you're never going to have to shed a tear of pain or suffering or heartbreak ever, ever again. He's been there every step of the way. The second thing that I think that we quote in church a lot, but I don't know if we really take it seriously enough, is the fact that when we step into eternity, Jesus is going to tell you, well done. Well done. And again, I think we imagine it almost like a graduation ceremony in heaven where we walk across the stage and some dean that doesn't even know us says, well done, well done, well done, well done. It's not like that. It's going to be absolutely personal. An illustration that I can give you that maybe describes it a little bit is a few years ago, my son Lucas was playing basketball for the University of Calgary. And they went to Halifax and played in the national championship game, and they won. (laughs) And I remember near the end of the game, Lucas hit a couple of huge shots the last two minutes of the game. And and, and if you search it on the internet and and find Ryerson versus Calgary, national championship game sometime, I'm sure it's in the archives, you could watch it. And right after the game, about a minute after the game, you'll see an usher let some old guy, me, onto the court. And you'll see Lucas and I hugging. And I don't know honestly exactly what I said to Lucas. But I think it went something like this. Well done. So here's the thing, because I believe that I was probably happier for him in that moment than he was for him. Because I had that perspective. I remember how he could dribble a basketball before he could even talk. I remember how he would shoot baskets on his little tykes basketball hoop that we got him. I remember all the early mornings and the late nights. I remember all the victories and all the defeats. I remember the times of darkness that he had to walk through. And when I said, well done, I really, really meant it. And I think I was happier for him than he was for him. And that's not just a basketball game. and It's not just Lucas. I feel the same way about all my kids. When I see him win, win in business, win in in picking amazing people to marry, win at school, win at being incredible parents, See, I really believe that 
when you step into eternity, you're going to know that Jesus is actually happier for you and you're going to be happier than you can ever imagine being. He's going to be happier for you than you are for you. Because I think we sometimes have this concept that when he says well done, what he's really going to mean is well done. You know, there, there's a couple, couple things that you really blew it, but you know what, we're, just, we're not going to talk about those now. No, you don't get it. So when I was hugging Lucas after that national championship game, man, I don't know if he played a perfect game. Probably not. No one does. But if someone came up to me right now and said, hey, do you remember that one thing that Lucas didn't do right in the second quarter? I'd be like, I have no idea. You understand that's the way it's going to be when you meet Jesus, right? Like he died for you. Your sins are gone completely gone and forgiven. So when he says well done, he's going to mean it. He's going to be happier for you than you are for you. And he's going to be thinking about the times that you got knocked down, but you just kept getting up. The times that you stumbled, but you kept running. The times that you forgave somebody when you really didn't want to. The times that you extended a helping hand when you really didn't feel like it. And he's going to be happier for you than you are for you. And listen, you're going to be happier than you can ever imagine being. And those two words, well done, are going to be more personal than anything you've ever heard. And with it, all insecurity is going to vanish. All insufficiency is going to be gone. All humiliation is going to be completely and totally forgotten. Well done. Well done. And the third thing I think that we talk about in church sometimes, but maybe we don't really, really understand it, comes out of the Old Testament a book called Zephaniah, when it says that the Lord delights over you with singing. That's amazing. Do you know that when you meet Jesus, he's going to be the greatest person that you could have ever imagined meeting. And he's going to be happier to see you than you are to see him. And you're going to be happier than you can imagine. Some people talk about the fact that their greatest fear is public speaking. I obviously can't really relate to that fear, but, but I do have a fear that is close to one of my greatest fears, and that's public singing. And the reason that I don't want to sing in public is because I'm not a very good singer. That's exactly why I don't want to sing in public. I'm not very good at it, okay? In, in, in fact, just over a year ago, I had like probably one of my most embarrassing moments. So back when we were meeting in person, the band was playing one last song before I was supposed to speak. And I was getting ready to go on the stage and, and preach my sermon, and I inadvertently flicked my microphone on. Okay, I, th- I think you know where this is going. So I'm singing away. It was some great song. The band was doing an incredible job, and I'm singing with all my heart. Now, it didn't go over the main speakers. You know where it went? It went directly into the in-ear monitors of the musicians. The musicians, you know, like the ones who know what it's supposed to sound like, and they knew that ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. You know, way back in the day, it was just Corinna and Mike, just the two of us. And then we had six kids Tori, Lucas, Emma, Gabe, Bedza, and Samuel. And then it was the Manus Eight. The Manus Eight. But over the last few years, the Manus Eight have uh, been growing a little bit. Tori married Josh and Lucas married Lexi, and here in just a few days, Emma is going to marry Vigeli. So then it's the Manus 11. Oh, except it's not. There's one more, and he's the superstar of the family. Okay, so if you go in, in order of age, we could call him number 12. Number 12 is Josh and Tori's son, Noah, and he's the superstar of our family. We delight in him. 
You know what's crazy? If I'm in a room with him and I'm singing to him, and I do all the time, I sing to Noah all the time, and I'm singing to him and, he, and he's laughing, well, my bar isn't even actually that high. He's smiling. No, no. If he's even smirking and I'm singing and you walk into that room, I could care less. I don't care what you think. I delight in that little wingnut. Do we understand? He delights in you. The greatest person that you've ever met. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You will be happier to meet him than you could ever imagine being happy to meet anyone. And he will be happier to meet you than you will be to meet him. There's something about Christmas time. But between you and me, that something is actually a someone. And his name is Jesus. But if you wanted me to give you something, I'd give you three. I'd give you a door, an open door to wonder. I'd give you a throne. A throne which is the first place that you and me are going to run to. And thirdly, I'd give you an invitation. An invitation. Jesus says it this way in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. I don't know why I'm emotional. I, I, I think it's just because maybe for some of you right now, you're feeling like your hope is hanging by a thread and you want to call out to him and, and you want him to save you. And, and I guess for me, here's what I want to tell you. He's been looking for you. He's been pursuing you. He's been calling your name. And today it's all going to come together. See, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history for you. He lived. He died. He rose again for you. Everything that needed to be done has been done. And now the only thing that you need to do is step through that door of wonder. It's a soul-level wonder that starts right now and goes way deeper than your circumstances, even in 2020. And it's eternal wonder, the promise of heaven. Everything that needed to be done has been done. And now the move is yours. He's extended his hand. Would you reach up today, this Christmas of 2020, and take hold of that promise? If that's you today, I would just want to give you the chance to pray and, uh, and just walk through that open door that Jesus came to give you. So let me pray out loud and you can just pray silently along with me. So dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the door, the throne, and the invitation. Too good to refuse. So today, right now, Jesus, I accept your offer. Thank you that you died for me so that my sins are gone, forgotten, erased. And thank you that you rose again for me. You defeated the bullies so I can be set free completely and totally today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you. I love you in your name. Amen. 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 Like if, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time this Christmas of 2020, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, and what I would ask you to do is just take a moment right now and text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but 
you better believe we want to support you. Okay, so just two more things for me. So number one, for all of us, no matter how long you've been going to church, man, can we, can we live this Christmas season with wonder? Can we remember the door that's open? Can we remember the throne that's going to be the first place we want to get to? And that invitation, that invitation isn't one time only. It can be a daily thing. Live every day with wonder. And secondly, now, you probably know if you've been around Southside at all that during the Christmas service, we like to kind of end things off with this song called Oh Holy Night. I love this song. And so what I thought I would do this year is kind of get over my fear of public singing and I want to sing it for you right now, a cappella. It's going to be memorable and amazing and I'm not going to sing it. I'm totally kidding. But I do want you to hang out because the band is going to do an incredible job of two songs as we close and then Corinne and I have one last message for you. I love you. We'll talk to you in a couple minutes. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.